Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the Thursday, August 3rd reading of the Pikes Peak Courier. My name is Sophia. Today, we will be reading the following main articles. Residents say no to Attorney General about proposed merger of grocery giants, written by Pat Hill. Everything you need to know about Donkey Derby Days, written by Sonia Oliver. Michael Gault to show his art at Mountain Arts Festival, written by Pat Hill. This Colorado demographic is causing more car crashes due to lane violations, written by Nick Sullivan, and following up with miscellaneous articles. The first article is entitled, Residents Say No to Attorney General About Proposed Merger of Grocery Giants, written by Pat Hill. In a listening session with Colorado Attorney General Phil Weiser last week, A group of Teller County residents just said no to the proposed merger of grocery conglomerates, Kroger and Albertsons. In Woodland Park, City Market, owned by Kroger, and Safeway, owned by Albertsons, offer competition with Walmart as a third option in the category of large grocery stores. With a merger, the loss of competition between the two would also include the threat of job loss among the workers. Would a merger lead to higher prices, less variety, access and resilience, with loss of one supply chain and more competition, Weiser asked. If we believe this merger violates the antitrust laws, I have the authority and the obligation to bring a lawsuit to stop this merger from happening. Looking at the past, Weiser noted that the merger between Safeway and Albertsons a few years ago resulted in the closure of some stores of the latter. Many in the audience felt the merger was a done deal. For instance, said Kelly Strong, distributors for Kroger and Safeway, DPI and Kihi, respectively, closed on a deal to merge June 20. As a result, both distributors must feel the merger is a foregone conclusion, said Strong, Woodland Park entrepreneur and founder of Blue Moon Goodness, a line of gluten-free soups. Weiser acknowledged that he was unaware of the distributor merger. Every time I go to one of these events, I learn something, Weiser said. Among Strong's wholesale customers is Mountain Naturals, a small Woodland Park grocery store that markets products by local growers, farmers, and artisans. Laurie Glouth, co-owner with Jan Green of Mountain Naturals, spoke of the domino effect of the closure of an anchor store in a shopping center. A merger will only make it worse, she said. It's already rigged on so many levels. Glouth added that 
Consumers need competition at the distribution level, not consolidation. These large companies, like Kroger and Safeway, are trying to integrate their businesses vertically to keep more for themselves, she said. The net result will be fewer choices, higher prices, barriers for new suppliers and small farms being left behind as factory farming will continue to grow and swallow the little family op operations. If the merger were to result in the closure of City Market, the smaller store, Gold Hill Square South, would lose an anchor, said Mark Sievers, a retired attorney. All of the other businesses in that shopping center would be hurt by the loss of traffic due to the closure of City Market, he said. Sivers asked who in Weiser's office would handle the details. We have an antitrust division in our office, part of our consumer protection section, Weiser said. We do not have to follow the federal government. We can file a lawsuit on our own, but... I am committed to protecting competition, but if they convince me, based on the evidence, that this merger harms competition, then I will bring a case. Bonnie Sumner shops at City Market, which carries local produce advertised with Colorado Proud signs. People who shop at City Market feel comfortable with the people who serve us. They know our names, Sumner said and they help people who are disabled. While there is some turnover in the staff, there is a specific culture at City Market, Sumner added. New people seem to understand the complexion of the store, she said. Carl Anderson, who owns several businesses, including a construction company, expressed concerns about the potential for a loss of jobs in a county with 28,000 residents. Front range areas are not as impacted by one business shutting down as a small community is, he said. We need protection in keeping those jobs. If you lose one store, another one is not going to hire all those people who lose their jobs. That's not going to happen. In Anderson's view, small towns have different dynamics. The Amazon factor of bringing everything under one roof does not work in a small town, he said. In Woodland Park, the two stores differ in some of the inventory, said Trevor Phipps. He also contends that prices are cheaper at City Market, adding that people come from as far away as Hartzell and other remote areas to shop there. If that store closes, it could create a food desert for people in rural areas, Phipps said. In every merger, there are winners and losers, Siver said. In every merger I've been involved in, the winner is the one who survives. It's often driven by the executive compensation package. Who is driving the merger, he said. Kroger is taking over the Albertson stores, Weiser said, but what the combined company will look like 
As far as corporate culture and executive package, I do not know. Wiser is touring this state, listening to people in cities and towns, gathering opinions about the proposed merger. Every community is different, Wiser said. This is democracy in action. Residents can weigh in on the subject at coag.gov slash grocery merger. That's coag.gov slash g-r-o-c-e-r-y-m-e-r-g-e-r. The next article is entitled, Everything You Need to Know About Donkey Derby Days, written by Sonia Oliver. Cripple Creek's 92nd Donkey Derby Days, held over the weekend of August 11 through 13, features donkey races, a parade, donkey rides, and a petting zoo for children a street dance with live entertainment, vendors, Western and Victorian ambiance, and activities for the entire family. The origins of this popular Colorado donkey festival honoring the early gold rush days date back to 1931, when local businessmen signed on with Charlie LeHue, who thought a Cripple Creek festival would attract people to the city during the summer months. Beginning the first summer in 1931, the Two Mile High Club, the oldest incorporated civic organization in Colorado, decided on donkey races, built a racetrack, solicited solicited advertising, and arranged concessions and entertainment for the first-ever Donkey Derby Days Festival. The Two Mile High Club is dedicated to the herd's health and welfare and uses festival proceeds to provide for the donkey's care. In recognition of the unique relationship between the city's origins and its free-roaming donkeys, some believed to be distant relatives of the original mining donkeys, an ordinance was passed in 1977, allowing the historic herd to roam the streets during the time period between May 15 and October 15. Donkey Races Originally, Cripple Creek's Donkey Derby Races consisted of donkeys being ridden around a track, but are now conducted with participants leading their donkey down the city's main thoroughfare, Bennett Avenue, to be the first to cross the finish line. Teams consist of a donkey laden with a pack of traditional mining tools, along with a donkey handler and a runner. Donkeys can be both sweet and stubborn. Some enjoy the run, some don't. The team must somehow persuade their beloved donkey with a push and a pull or find ways to entice them with a carrot or treat. The races consist of five heats, including an exciting media race on Saturday, August 12, following the 11 a.m. parade. Cripple Creek's Free Roaming Donkey Herd 
from the late 1800s through the early 1900s during the early formation of the Cripple Creek and Victor Gold Mining District, donkeys were used to work in the underground hard rock shaft mines. Pit ponies, or standard donkeys or burrows, were perfectly suited for mining operations because they are small, sturdy, heavily bodied, low-headed, and sure-footed. At the young age of two, the donkeys were lowered down into the mine shaft via elevator, stapled underground, and rarely, if ever, came up to the surface. Once lowered into a mine, most donkeys became blind because they never again saw the light of day. Typically, these beasts of burden would work an eight-hour shift each day, during which they would haul tons of ore in tubs laden upon their backs or pull carts through the tunnels along the underground mine railway. The average working life of a mining donkey was only three and a half years, compared to an approximate 20-year working lifespan for donkeys living above ground. According to legend, as related in a 2017 interview with former Mile High Club Vice President Richard Trayman, in 1911, Vice President Candidate Teddy Roosevelt visited Cripple Creek's mining district and was escorted on a gold mine tour where he witnessed the donkey's living conditions. Roosevelt was a known environmentalist, and when he went down into one of the mines and saw the donkey's plight, he said, get them out of there, and the mining companies complied, Trayman said. Thanks to proceeds from the festival and other fundraising efforts by the Two Mile High Club, members of today's donkey's herd are pampered well-fed, with hooves trimmed, teeth floated, and regular visits from the vet. The Two Mile High Club is dedicated to raise funds and provide crucial support for the care, food, and shelter of the local donkeys representing Cripple Creek's mining history. The city of Cripple Creek provides space southwest of town across from the Mountain View Adventure Park, consisting of approximately five acres and a barn for the donkeys to reside during the cold winter months. For more information about Cripple Creek donkeys or to make a donation, visit the Two Mile High website at cripplecreekdonkeys.com. More information about Donkey Derby Days. Schedule Highlights. Now, in its 92nd year, Donkey Derby Days is a popular Cripple Creek event with sponsored activities occurring throughout the weekend. Friday, August 11, Street Dance with live music by Wild Blue Country from 7 to 9 p.m. at the District Museum. Saturday, August 12th, Pancake Breakfast at the Cripple Creek Fire Station on West Bennett Avenue from 7 to 10 a.m. Food and retail vendors and Kid Zone activities open from 10 a.m. through 5 p.m. on Saturday. Also Saturday, parade begins at 11 a.m. 
Beer Gardens open from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And donkey races held at 12.30 p.m., 1.15, 2 o'clock, 2.45, and 3.45 p.m. Final heat and awards. History comes alive at the Pocket Park at 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. with live music all day. On Sunday, August 13th, Vendors and Kids Zone open 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Beer Gardens open from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. And live music at 11.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. The next article is entitled, Michael Galt to Show His Art at Mountain Arts Festival, written by Pat Hill. A conversation with Michael Galt ranges from the intellectual and philosophical aspects of art to the beauty and wonder of the arts, artistry of nature. A Galt landscape reflects a reverence for the Colorado mountains. Inspired by the transitional quality of light, Galt paints right into the scene. A plain air artist who captures beauty as well as movement. Galt is one of more than 60 artists and crafters to show their work at the Mountain Arts Festival this month. As his art evolved over the past several decades, Galt includes non-representational works of Colorado landscapes. It's a real pet peeve with me that most people call non-representational work abstract, he said. Abstract is what Picasso did. Pointing to non-representational paintings hanging in Reserve Our Gallery in Woodland Park, Galt explains the idea. They're not really trees and rocks. They're my concept of trees and rocks, he said. They're not an abstraction, but a representation. As a college student back in the day, Galt was required to take a philosophy class, which, at the time, he thought frivolous. Today, he is grateful for the curriculum rigor. What do I want the painting to say? That's part of the creative process, he said. Painting is painting, but what do I want to communicate? Honored internationally for his work, Galt recently won second and fourth places in Impressionist painting in a show where artists represented 96 countries. That was kind of gratifying, he said. Galt shows his work in galleries in Santa Fe, Colorado Springs, Aspen, and Vail. In 2017, he was commissioned to do 200 original landscape paintings for a hotel in Vail. Galt paints mainly in oils, with an occasional foray into pastels. The oil painting is just so gestural, with really nice brushstrokes, he said. I paint on linen. He intersperses his landscapes with animals or still lifes. Still lifes are good for discipline, he said. As I've grown as an artist, I've learned to have a clear voice in what I want to express. Former professor of art history and appreciation, 
Galt is returning to teaching, this time in collaboration with Gail Gross, artist, owner of Reserve Our Gallery. My approach to teaching is to look beyond the technical aspect of making art. It's the thought behind it, he said. What do you want to communicate with this art? This is the approach we are going to take with our classes, as well as color theory. For Galt, who works in partnership with his wife, publicist Diana, the Mountain Arts Festival is a return to showing his work in public. I've been in kind of a dry spell in my studio. I've got 100 paintings in the closet, he said. There's something about an art fair to motivate me to paint more. I'm having a ball. The next article is entitled, This Colorado Demographic is Causing More Car Crashes Due to Lane Violations, written by Nick Sullivan. As lane violations continue to steadily push the number of fatal and injury car-causing crashes upward in recent years, the Colorado State Patrol tracked an especially sharp uptick in one age bracket. Of the 635 lane violation crashes in 2022, Troopers found that drivers between the ages of 40 and 49 saw an alarming 32% increase over 2021, according to a news release from the State Patrol. The next largest increase for people between 60 and 69 was 19%, followed by a 12% increase for 18 to 21-year-olds, 10% increase from for 50 to 59-year-olds, and 2.5% increase for 70 to 78-year-olds. Authorities say lane violations can be used as indicators for speeding, distracted driving, and driving under the influence. We may never fully know all of the life circumstances feeding into the increase of lane violations by these drivers, especially with our more experienced motorists. Matthew C. Packer, chief of the Colorado State Patrol, said in the release, Life can be busy and messy, but allowing anything to pull your focus off the road or driving while intoxicated is unacceptable. It's time to get honest with ourselves and take responsibility. The State Patrol also tracked the counties with the most injuries and fatalities resulting from lane violations. Larimer County led the pack with 66 crashes, followed by Jefferson County with 61, Adams County with 48, El Paso County with 41, and Weld County with 29. Our next article is entitled, Victor's Benevolent Thomas Dambo Troll Sculpture to Stand as Lifesaver, Educator, written by Debbie Kelly. In folklore, mean hungry trolls live under bridges. In the 21st century, human trolls lie in wait as internet agitators. Throughout history, the creatures have been known to be big or small, ugly or cute, contrarian or charmer. But the victor troll 
which started to take shape last week, will be a tongue-in-cheek lifesaver and educator. In Danish recycle artist Thomas Dambo's world, trolls are concerned about the little people causing environmental destruction and falling prey to dangers of their own making. His giant troll sculptures, constructed of scrap wood and attracting a cult following around the world, mean more than a cool piece of public art, said Kim Lottig, CEO of Gold Camp District Impact Group in Victor, a nonprofit focusing on community enrichment projects. They're friendly trolls that are here to teach the people, she said. It's a whole community he's building. Organizers that helped bring to Victor one of Dambo's 10 new troll sculptures he's building as a part of a coast-to-coast Way of the Bird King construction spree over the course of 15 weeks have high hopes for the newest resident in the town of about 450 people. Thank you for joining us for the Pikes Peak Courier. My name is Sophia. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.